0: Welcome to Record Roulette. My name is Amon O'Flynn, and this is a Record Roulette 101. Our next full-length episode features friend of the show, Alex Kinsella, who you may remember from our episodes about Nina Simone, Dolly Parton, and The Doors. He's a lover of music and an all-around good guy, and we're lucky to have him back for a record-tying fourth time. When I asked him to pick an album from the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list, he was flabbergasted. After all, every other time he'd been on the show, we picked an album at random for him to tackle. He told us that he struggled a bit. There are just so many great albums to choose from. But he knew he'd found the one when he scrolled past the Beastie Boys debut album, Licensed to Ill. Don't know much about it? Join the club. It came out the year I was born and wasn't exactly playing on repeat in the O'Flynn household. That said, after weeks of listening to the album and prepping for the episode, I'm well qualified to give you a quick 101 on what it is, what it, what's on it, how it was received, and why it's on the Rolling Stone list. As always, I have two caveats. First, you should still listen to the album. Second, this 101 isn't exhaustive. This is just what you need to know. Let's start at the start. The Beastie Boys were formed in 1981, growing organically out of an experimental hardcore punk band called the Young Aborigines. Michael Diamond, forever known as Mike D, was the drummer, and as members of the band departed, they were replaced by Adam Yoch, aka MCA, on bass, and Adam Horowitz, aka Ad Rock, on guitar. I want to note that in this earliest incarnation, they also had another percussionist, Kate Schellenbach in the group. She would leave in 1983, shortly after the group achieved local success with a comedy hip-hop single called Cookie Puss. Amazingly, the guys somehow ended up touring with Like a Virgin-era Madonna in 1985 before releasing their debut album, Licensed to Ill, in 1986. That's the one we'll discuss in a bit of depth next week, and I will give a summary here, but first, let's wrap up this Beastie Boys overview. After their debut, the band released Paul's Boutique in 1989 to Crickets, but since then has become a critically acclaimed album and the highest ranked of the group's three albums on the Rolling Stone, Fiber and Grist list. This was followed by Check Your Head, also on the Rolling Stone list in 1992, Ill Communication in 1994, and four other albums. They stopped touring and releasing albums after the death of MCA in 2012. If you don't know much about the Beastie Boys, I think the thing to know is A, they were massively successful, and B, they were legitimately innovative and important contributors to the growth of hip-hop as a a genre. They've sold 20 million records in the U.S. and had seven platinum-selling albums, making them the best-selling rap group since Billboard began recording sales in 1991. They were also the third rap group to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Their influence is broad. Those citing them as an influence include Eminem, Rage Against the Machine, Limp Bizkit, Sublime, and Blur. So there alone you have rap, rock, Britpop, and uh, Limp Bizkit. In 2020, Spin Magazine called them the 12th most influential artists in the previous 35 years, and they routinely get ranked on greatest artists of all time lists. They're a big deal. And this week's album is where it all started. Released in November 1986, License to Ill is at number 192 on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list. The group originally wanted to call the album something horrifically homophobic, but were convinced otherwise by Columbia Records and their manager, Russell Simmons. Honestly, it's one of those places where you have to ask how different music history would be if either they'd refused to record as a result, or their label decided to drop them. Luckily, they did make the change. Adrock has since apologized for the earlier title, by the way. And they worked with Rick Rubin to rec- record and produce the album. While I can't tell you much about the, re- the production process, apart from the fact that Kerry King of Slayer performs the lead guitar piece on No Sleep Till Brooklyn, I can tell you that it started their career with a number of huge hits that still have relevance nearly 40 years later. The aforementioned No Sleep Till Brooklyn, of course, but Brass Monkey and Fight for Your Right are both well-known even now. How would you describe this album? I think today we'd probably call it rap rock. It definitely has the flowing lyrics you'd expect from hip-hop or rap and the guitar you'd expect from rock, but the rock element sounds a bit more like punk to me, which makes sense because the early mid-80s were a golden era for punk. The attitude is also very punk. As a recorded genre, hip-hop was very new when the Beastie Boys started producing music, so... So new that they are legitimate early adopters alongside Public Enemy, Run-DMC, and LL Cool J. And you can hear hip-hop not just in the lyrics, but in the delivery. Call and response between all three members of the group, but none of those three artists incorporated punk-oriented sounds like Beastie Boys did. The other unique quality was just how funny the lyrics are. They're legitimate comedy. I think you could sub in lyrics from Flay the Concord's, for example, and they wouldn't seem out of place. Beastie Boys were something different, a whole new thing. And listeners agreed. And they liked it. The album landed like a nuclear bomb. It was certified platinum on February 2nd, 1987, just two and a half months after it was released, and ended up achieving diamond status. Brass Monkey was certified gold. The album hit number one on the Billboard 200 and reached number five in Canada and number seven in the UK. The album was also met with critical acclaim and the acclaim has only grown since 1986. Eight years after its release, Q gave the album a retrospective review, stating that License to Ill remains the world's only punk rock rap album, arguably superior to Nevermind the Bollocks, knowing that apathy and slovenliness were just around the corner. I think that's a shot at grunge. Uh, Another retrospective by Melody Maker described it thusly. There's... Lots of self-reverential bragging, more tenuous rhymes than are usually permitted by law, and most importantly of all, an unshakably glorious celebration of being alive—a surprisingly enduring classic. Here's what Rolling Stone had to say in its write-up for including this album on the greatest albums list. Now, quote. Recorded when the three New York rappers were barely out of high school, "Licensed to Ill remains a revolutionary combination of hip-hop beats, metal riffs, and some of the most exuberant, unapologetic, smart-aleck rhymes ever made. Three jerks make a masterpiece, read the headline in the Village Voice, the Beastie Boys' Hometown Weekly. It's the relentless commitment to jerkdom that distinguished this debut LP— though the hilarious snaps, obscure pop culture references, and unique trade-off flow of Mike D, MCA, and Ad Rock make that attitude resonate. The girlies I like are underage. Hasn't aged well as far as boasts go, but the boys realized that soon enough and became dedicated feminists. Jerks no more. There you go. That's what it says. It's a very interesting album, and I have a few questions I'm looking forward to discussing with Alex and Nathan. First, to what degree do we need to be concerned about things like cultural appropriation? After all, this is a bunch of middle-class white guys making millions on an art that was started with impoverished and marginalized black people. Second, can this be considered a comedy album? It's very, very funny, and since their initial single was a straight-up comedy song, I wonder exactly what we're supposed to be getting from this one. Finally, what makes this thing so listenable nearly 40 years after its release? It definitely sounds dated, but it remains exceptionally enjoyable and entertaining. Take a listen to the album and tune in next week for our chat with Alex Kinsella. That's all for today. Check out Record Roulette on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at rrmusicpod. Rate and review this podcast wherever you can. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite show. Or listen for free at recordroulettepodcast.com. Music in this episode is from Lemon Music Studio. Thank you for listening to Record Roulette. Until the next spin, goodbye.